If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. International Horse College's motto is people safety and horse welfare, and you'll find this message throughout our chats. Registered Training Organisation number 31352. Today's guest is Sally Francis. Sally's been a consultant coach in Australia and New Zealand for riding the disabled pony club. She's also been a team official for five Paralympics and five world championships. And we'll talk to us today about riding the disabled, Paralympics, equine facilitated learning and special Olympics. But she'll start off today with a favourite quote. How are you today, Sally? I'm well, thank you. Coping with the wind down here. <laughs> it's a bit windy, is it? Okay. All right, Sally, you know we're going to ask you for a favourite quote, so what have you got? My favourite quote, quote is, fear of the future and regret of the past are the twin clouds that hide present happiness. Yes, yes, and I'm sure that's affected you in the past. So would you like to tell us about it? Yes, certainly. Um, I grew up in a, a riding school family, um, uh, the youngest of three, and quite a shy little person. And it seemed like I was definitely going to just stay on the family property and continue to, to run the business when I left school. Um, but I did have the opportunity to do my Equestrian Australia Level 1 coaching with Mary Longdon, who's a EA Level 3 coach. Um, and I know I was really scared about doing that, fearing that I wasn't going to be good enough, mm -hmm. able to get that. Um, coaching certificate, but I'm really glad I did run with it and I did did succeed and then it just opened the doors for the future and really that's where I started to get involved with writing for the disabled and the rest is, is history really. Yes, yes, and Mary's been a previous guest so if people would like to listen to that they could probably just go to horsechats.com and search for Mary Longdon and they'll find that interview, yeah. All right. Now, I was going to say how did you start with riding for disabled, but I think you've already done that, and you grew up on the family property, so you started around horses fairly early. The actual decision, though, you thought it was always going to be a decision that you're going to work with horses and continue, because you still run the family property today, don't you? Yes, I've come yep. back to the family property. Yep, yep. Um, oh, yeah, yes, definitely, just because of my love, my love of horses, um, mm -hmm. and I think uh, yeah, my mother was a, a pretty incredible role model for coaching yep. Yep. and my father for handling horses. So mm -hmm. I just learned how to respect and love horses in a very natural way from the beginning. Yep, yep. So if someone's going to work in the horse industry, work with horses in the horse industry, and you talked about your father having those skills and your mother having the skills and you develop those skills. But if someone's coming in and you're looking for a job with you, say, what sort of core skills would you be looking for before you would offer them a position? Yeah, um, it's great if they have that um, a natural ability um, with horses um, and, that, and that respect and that, that feel of... Um, of, of how to handle them um, safely 
mm-hmm. um, and just yeah, just really wanting to be with horses and be with a horsey person. Um, learn, just keep learning and learning and learning as much as you can from those experienced people, horse people out out in the world. And I'm sure you would have, you know, come from when you first got qualified to say, right, well, I just know the basics. I will continue to learn. Oh, yeah, yes, definitely. Mm, yeah. Mm. And um, it's and it's so much, my, my, my big thing now is really keeping both horse and rider sound in body, mind and soul. Yep. So also developing that holistic approach to, to um, the equestrian world. And to your equestrian endeavours, um, yes. Some 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 people are racing to get to their goal, but they they forget the the bigger picture. Yep. So yep. very very yep. into that bigger picture, and then maybe having to step out of the square to to achieve goals. So mm-hmm. be very open minded about um, how to make it best for both horse and rider. Yep. Yeah. What do you think is the best thing about working with horses and working in the horse industry? Uh, this, yeah, well, they're such a, a beautiful animal, the horse. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're magic, really. And and um, over the years, I've just so, I've seen so much magic between a horse and rider. Yeah. Um, yep. In in different situations, from grassroots. To, to Special Olympics and then um, Paralympics and and very lucky to be involved in a team where a rider got a gold medal in London. So, yeah, mm-hmm. um, and that horse Worldwide PB, um, such an amazing horse. He, he really helped to keep the whole team together at London and, and his rider and all the other riders, their achievements are just just amazing. So you also meet amazing human beings as well. But uh, I think horse people have a, a great character and a great mind. So that's what I love about it. Yes, it's um, surprising the amount of people who get into the industry for the horses but stay in the industry for people yeah. because the people – you don't go into it for the people, but then you find the people have just got that common bond and common thread and common interest and yeah. common passion. Yeah. 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 It is so true. Yeah. That gold gold um, medal in London, was that your proudest moment? Um, yeah. It was pretty special. Mm. Yes. But even before that, just enabling those riders to ride on that world stage mm-hmm. at Greenwich. It was such a beautiful arena looking across to Queen's Par- uh, Palace and across to London. Um, so I remember the first day, our first rider going in, and I was just thinking, oh, wow, I've enabled this team to come and do this. So yeah. that was yeah. very a very proud moment. And I still get emotional about it. <laughs> Even if you haven't got the gold medal, you'd still be pretty proud. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. exactly. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I had a lovely moment also at the Special Olympics. I um, organised yeah ten of my horses to be horses that the the riders were able to to ride. So it's all on borrowed horses. Mm. Um, and my one of my horses was the last horse to go in the competition. And and at the end he he finished. He he just came sort of towards me, and 
I, I opened my arms and he just put his head in my arms and said, <laughs> oh, oh, have I done it? Have I done yeah, a good enough job? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah, so that was lovely too. Good, good. Yeah, and oh. it's just when you see writers just achieving things you never thought they'd achieve. Yeah, yeah. So it's very special. I know you started off with Mary, Mary Longdon, but what made you yes. really pursue the whole RDA Special Olympics, Paralympics, equine facilitated learning? You've really sort of gone down that path. What happened from Mary, or was it really Mary's influence that started you and kept you going all the way through? Um, yeah, yes, there it was. Yeah, definitely Mary mm. um, and another girl, uh, Lady Sue Harris. Yes. Um, who was the state coach with RDA Victoria at that time, who has cerebral palsy and has also been to two Paralympics. Um, yeah, we, we developed a friendship as we were training for um, our level one and then after we completed it, she sort of was very instrumental in me getting a, a, a job as the integration officer mm-hmm. for RDA Victoria. Yep. So... Yeah, Sue very much as well. And then another lady, Wendy Mapleston, who used to bring uh, riders from Tempo RDA who were from Urala, most of them having cerebral palsy. They used to come here for camps at Turidan. So mm-hmm. from a young age, I was involved with that too. And um, Wendy Mapleston was a, ma- a physio, so an amazing um, RDA coach and then became president of RDA Victoria and Australia. Mm-hmm. So she also was very instrumental too. So from the beginning, I was very involved with very um, knowledgeable and influential people mm-hmm. in RDA in Australia and internationally. So, you know, I was very, very, very lucky. Yeah. Yep. All right. Now, the yeah. difference, tell us the difference between and what the benefits are. We've got RDA, um, Paralympics. Mm-hmm. We've got equine facilitated learning. Sometimes there's a little bit of a grey area between, if you can define, you know, just in your own words, the differences between different sectors. Yeah, so um, Riding for the Disabled is a a worldwide organisation and and very strong in, in all countries, but especially came from all the Commonwealth countries and allowing people with disabilities to um, enjoy horses and, in, and enjoy riding. Um, and then there's sort of, there's different streams within RDA. So there's the therapeutic stream, um, which, is, and in Australia we have hippotherapy, which is working with a team, with a physio or an OT or a speech therapist um, and a qualified horse handler. Um, and an RDA coach and qualified sidewalkers to enable the therapist to run their treatment program um, with the horse. So the, the horse is giving their um, beautiful movement, their beautiful feel to um, enable the, the rider to improve their posture, their gait training. So we've had success with riders um, clients being able to take their first steps after um, doing the program on the horse because mm-hmm. the horse yes. moves their hind legs the same way that us humans move. Uh, so 
their impulses the horse gives to um, the rider client's um, muscles really assists for long-term benefits. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's the therapy part of it. And then you've got um, a recreational activity or as in learning how to ride and then possibly being able to go and do trail riding, etc. Or carriage driving is also involved in RDA and vaulting is another um, discipline in RDA. And then it streams off into the competitive um, line, pathway, where we've got local competitions, and that can be dressage, um, show jumping, uh, eventing, um, and games and western trail type events, and that can go to state and also to national. And then you can stream off into Special Olympics for riders with intellectual disabilities. So Australia's just become involved in 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 that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we've had riders going um, to international events to the last one, and there's one coming up next year. Uh, or then you can progress into integrating into EA yep. um, competitions. Pony club or adult riding club competitions, and then the ultimate is Paralympic okay. um, yep. competitions, which is um, dressage, and they have different grades depending on the rider's functional ability. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, what about equine facilitated learning? Yeah, so that is a beautiful program, really assisting um, people to be sound in their body, mind, and soul working with a horse to um, help them do that. So they have a, a trained facilitator and it's really groundwork stuff that we they do with the horse. So it improves their awareness of animals, being with an animal, how to communicate with an animal, to better communicate with people, um, how to become less fearful if they're fearful of animals and how to work with another person to achieve goals, mm-hmm. you know, with, with the horse. So, and and it can lead to to riding as well, but it's it's really uh, more experimental type learning in a more a holistic type approach. Okay, you talked a bit about you know with the hippotherapy having the breakthrough where riders can use hippotherapy and use the movement of the horse to take their first steps. What sort of case studies or examples do you have of equine facilitated learning where people might have made breakthroughs? Yeah, there, there sort of is. There is a lot around, mm-hmm. um, and from my um, personal stuff that that I've done with it, and I was very lucky to be introduced to it by Franklin Levison, yep. um, who is a EFL guru, and. So uh, he was working with a, a young boy who was very shy, certainly couldn't make any eye contact or uh, could not speak to a group of, of people. And he put him in, in the round yard with a horse and talked him through lunging this horse and lunging it over a jump. And to see then that young boy being able to actually complete the task and stop and give feedback to to the groups that mm-hmm. were watching and seemed mm-hmm. to actually to perform it in front of us. Yeah, that was like, wow. 
That mm. was very powerful. So that's when I sort of decided to get more involved yep. with that. Yep, yep. And also here at Turidan Estate, it's a beautiful spot. Mm-hmm. Um, so it enables people to um, who may be a little bit housebound, fear of, of of leaving the house, to actually come to a really beautiful spot. Yep, and yep. And be with a magical horse. Yes, yeah, and surrounded by nature. Yeah, mm. yeah, mm. yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. All right. Now, with your role as a consultant coach for RDA, what sort of things do you do? What sort of expectations go along with that role? And what sort of benefits do you get? You know, just personal benefits that you might see, just improvement and, I suppose, goals being achieved. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, certainly. So I I get invited to different states to run workshops um, and it can be volunteer training. Mm -hmm. So again, how to communicate um, with horses, really how to keep the horses happy in their work and longevity in the program because it is quite a tricky situation for a horse because they're working with um, different leaders um, sometimes with um, a rider that's asymmetrical and they have involuntary movement and two sidewalkers as well. So it's it's quite a um, a crowded situation. So I, I really um, try and think of it from the horse's point of view and how to lead them in the best possible way, how to warm them up in the best possible way, how to reward them with more hands-on grooming, um, little massages and all those types of things. Yep, yep. And then making sure that the riders, um, looking at their functional ability and making sure that they're riding in the best position that they can and using the best type of aids that work for them and maybe adaptive equipment to help them achieve achieve those more subtle aids. Okay. So doing stuff like that. Um and of course, uh, training coaches become assistant coaches to level one coaches to level two coaches. Um, and I also do the hippotherapy, horse handling, um, presenting and assessing. Um, and also trying to get coaches to be more innovative in their ideas and um, allowing riders to achieve um, goals, measurable goals, and and trying to introduce different disciplines into yep. to RDA. So I'm very big on pole work and, and show jumping and um, those types of things. What else? What other sort of innovative ideas have they had? Yeah, and also just doing some int- interesting um, horse handling type exercises as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the... I try to benefit both horse and riders, so trying to develop a very basic massage uh, technique um, so that the the rider can be involved in in helping the horse as well and okay. and learning um, how to do the basic massage and where it's safe to to massage a horse and where it's not. But those those types of things. Mm-hmm. All right, then now thinking about. Because you've been involved with RDA for a long time and you would have seen quite a lot of changes over the years and progress. What do you think has been the biggest challenge or is the biggest challenge now 
going forward? You know, what can people, listeners, do to help promote RDA or Writing for Disabled and Equine Facilitated Learning? Yeah, I, I think the biggest challenge is always having enough volunteers mm-hmm. to make the program work and enough um, skilled coaches to make the program progress. Yep. And then, of course, the most important part is the the horse and in making sure that we have sound, um, well-trained, well-maintained horses. Mm-hmm. So I think at the beginning, we used to get very retired, retired older horses um, that may have been a little limited in their physical and, and mental ability. Yep. But now we're realising that we need uh, really sound in their body, mind, and soul. So I've gone back to that again, mm-hmm. um, and and how we keep and we're how we keep them like that. And I also think we've got probably more riders that are on the autistic spectrum disorder. Yep. So there's more uh, behavioural issues, mm-hmm. um, and just always learning the best way to be able to deal with those situations as well as being able to read each individual rider and how to match them to the appropriate horse. Yes. And to allow them to achieve in a safe but not overprotected way. Mm-hmm. And that and that's another skill that I try to bring in so that riders are not always on the lead 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 rope, that we really can do steps to um, get them to become an individual rider, yep. independent rider, yep. um, to, you know, have the range skills to be able to control a horse so that they can achieve lots of things. All right. Now, say someone's coming in and they would like to be a volunteer with RDA. What's a common fault that you see when people first start or a common misunderstanding that when people first start and first volunteer, you know, what's something that like a misconception they might come in with and what can you say about it, how it can be fixed? Yeah. So so coming into a group, um, there certainly is a, a group dynamic mm-hmm. and you're really working as a team. So some people that come in with horsey knowledge have a set idea of how they think a horse should be handled. Yep. But they have to actually understand um, that RDA has a really great volunteer training system and they need to follow that and nearly really need to to work with the coach and, and with the whole team. Um, a lot of times uh, it can get, the environment can get just too much for a rider because there's just too, too much noise, et cetera. So that's yep. also quite a tricky thing. Mm-hmm. Um and, and as a leader, that you're really helping to keep the horse in a safe place as mm-hmm. well as the yes. rider, of course, so that you've got to really concentrate on that. And, you know, as side, if you've got two side porkers, yeah, that the one becomes the, the spokesperson to um, relay the coach's message to the rider. So yeah, we're really trying to keep the noise level down, the chatter unnecessary chatter down mm-hmm. is really important um, and it's really great if we can get some more men involved because okay. um, yep. the the male riders just love having um, <laughs> guys around because I think a lot of the time they're 
dealing with women. So that's that's really important. And yeah, and everyone to be role role models. Okay. Um, oh, that's good. So really think about that that we're we're all there to be role models to the people that um, we're helping. Good. Um, so yeah. Okay, good, good. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look, horsechats.com. Now, Sally, what about a book for our listeners? Have you got something that you'd recommend them to read, something that's helped you along the way? I suppose, yeah. It's um, Scented Riding by Sally Swift. Yes. That has really helped me with all my coaching mm-hmm. from beginner coaching, pony club, adult riding club, and of course, RDA. And I was very lucky to have um, attended a clinic that Sally Swift did with Richard Weiss. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it's really helped me to be a little bit like a position coach. Um, yeah, I find that I can really help riders by getting to the the core, the origin of their their position, maybe weakness, yep. um, and really help them work through that. Yep. So I always refer back to to Sally Sally Swift. All right, that's a pretty popular book. That one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it is. And I'm thinking about writing a little one myself. So. Good. Good. And that'll be called Aunt Sally's Riding Recipes. So. Ooh. Yeah. We'd love to have you back to talk about that as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yep, certainly. So, Sally, what are you looking forward to now? Uh, yeah, I've got the RDA State Championships this weekend, so I'm looking forward Good. to that. Yes. Um, but I, I am actually going to New Zealand in October to present at their coaching workshop. So they've divided it into an advanced one and a more introductory coach mm-hmm. workshop. Yes. So, again, it, yeah, just very excited to be back in New Zealand working with those coaches and their horses. Um, and, uh, yeah, um, you don't often get the opportunity to do the more advanced stuff, so I'm very excited about doing that. Good. All right. Now, you've talked about keeping the horse and rider sound in body, mind and soul. I think that is your overall philosophy. But anything else you'd like to say about that into a message to take away for our listeners? Yeah. So just continue to to work on your your position. Mm-hmm. You're a rider, even as a as a coach as well. You know, think think about where where you're positioning yourself to help riders achieve their their goal. Yep. Um, Back to the riding position, you know, you may have two coaches. You may even have a, 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 a position coach that specialises on that um, as well as a, a, a performance coach. So um, keep that in mind. Okay. Um, is, I think this is a really, really important, important one. And just also go out and enjoy your horse every day. Have fun with your horse every day. Um, I find sometimes it gets all too serious and a little competition driven, but 
remember, you've got to enjoy. Yes. Enjoy every moment. Have, having fun and horse. enjoyment, it's so important. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, it, and it helps the horse as well. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can do those fun things yep. to help them coordinate themselves better, improve their balance, gets you making better choices, gets the horse making better choices and gets you more in tune with each other. So I think that's very important. All right. Sally, it's been very good talking to you today. You know, you've sort of come in with a a bit of a different point of view. It's been good, the uh, amount of information you had and, you know, particularly in your role as consultant coach for Australia and New Zealand. So if people would like to contact you, how can they do that, Sally? Yes, they can certainly um, do it through my mobile, my Mm -hmm. Facebook. Okay. Um, So... Okay, we'll put all those details on the Horse Chats page, which would be horsechats.com slash Sally Francis, or go to horsechats.com, search for Sally, or search for Francis. Yep, perfect. Okay. All right, Sally, thanks very much for talking to us. We hope to talk to you again sometime soon. Great. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate, and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below. 